Amen. 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 You can be seated, please. We do have uh, several announcements I want to highlight this morning. Uh, first of all, thank you to everybody who was a part of, of last week for Curtis and the, the uh, fundraiser. We sold 932 plates, so a tremendous number of plates. Thank you for that. It, it went a long, long way to helping him. Then uh, coming up on Tuesday, May 22nd, there's a one-day trip to the Billy Graham uh, Library. Uh, Ashes Grove Baptist has, has got a, a bus, and there's more spots, all more spots on it. And the, the price of $48, that's for the bus. That's not for the church. So, But uh, if you want to be a part of that, see David Futrell. The, uh, the announcement is in the bulletin. Then uh, tonight, the choir is going to be singing at Manola Baptist at Revival. The service is at 730 uh, Brother Terry Sotman's going to be preaching, so it's going to be a, a great night uh, to be there. Then uh, you'll see in your, your bulletin, we want to thank everybody who was part of the blood drive the other day. Thank you for being a part of that. And then uh, coming up, we've got the West Chihuahan uh, Prayer Week, and the uh, church is going to be giving, as we did in the past, $120 to that for the Missions Prayer Week this May 20th through 27th. Uh, graduates, we want to recognize you in just a couple of weeks. So if you would get your, your name and information into the office by Sunday, by Mother's Day, uh, that'll be a, a great help to us. And then also the children's pennies or money for the Baptist Children's Hospital, uh, then that starts next Sunday. So if, if you'll be a part of that, that'll be a great, great, great opportunity. And uh, we're looking forward to that being a, a huge, huge, huge uh, part of the future. So uh, God's at work here, and we want to praise him uh, for that, and uh, looking forward to what God's going to do in the, the coming weeks and the coming months. Uh, then uh, also, we want to remind you, Tuesday is the day to vote. So if you, whether or not you've planned to do it, it's important that we make our voices heard, and we prayerfully consider who God would have to serve us. So Tuesday, that's coming up, so we encourage every single one of you to uh, do that and to celebrate the Lord uh, by being our, our civic uh, leaders that he raised us up to be. Uh, we want to invite now our children to come down for our puppet message. All of our children, if you would, come down to the front.
Thank you. Okay. Let's stand and sing our offertory hymn, Jesus is all the world to me.
I guess, is most everybody still in the gospel project that's in here? <clears throat> I was telling Paul earlier, a lot of times we'll pick a song to sing, and it either goes along with the lesson or it goes along with the uh, the sermon. And um, <clears throat> today, of course, you know, it was contrasting the um, works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit. And the little aside in here, I'm going to just read that to you. Yeah, it says, The first thing to notice is how this list of spiritual fruits differs from the previous list of works of the flesh. The works of the flesh are just that, works or deeds that people do. The second list, though, the fruit of the Spirit, largely consists of what we might call qualities or attributes. If we can take anything away from a general comparison of the list, it might be this. The solution to the bad things we do isn't the good we do instead, but the goodness that comes from being in Christ. There are plenty of people who don't have sex outside of marriage, don't get drunk, and don't see R-rated movies, but who are loveless, joyless, impatient, unkind, and ungentle. So here we see the primary problem with so many approaches to Christian discipleship today. They are predicated primarily on doing different rather than becoming different. I don't want to hear anymore Teach me to listen I don't want to see anymore Give me a vision that you could move this heart to be set apart. And I don't need to recognize the man in the mirror. Cause I don't want to trade your plans for something familiar. I can't waste a day. I can't stay the same. I want to be different. I want to be changed till all of me is gone and all that remains is a fire so bright the whole world can see that there's something different so come and be different in me and I don't want to spend
something different in us. Uh, what a great, great message. Thank you. Thank you for leading us in that. And uh, It's a great joy to be here. And I think I mentioned this last time we had some temperature issues, but when the, the air conditioning's out, it reminds us all that we have that we take for granted, that we get used to. It wasn't too many years ago, no church had air conditioning. It wasn't too many years before that, no church had even electricity, uh, indoor plumbing, now think about that. They, uh, I was reminded this uh, whenever a couple months ago when I was in Armenia. Little church, nice building, no indoor bathroom because they didn't have money to finish it. They've got a room, you know, but but it's not set up. And uh, an outhouse was out back, which is honestly works. It's not that much of a problem except for the fact that it had been the rainy season, so the yard was muddy. So we've been traveling a while, so when everybody went out in the backyard, then you can't go back in the church because you've got mud all over your shoes. So we have got a lot that we take for granted that we don't even think about, that uh, God's given us, and we're blessed. And, and today with the temperature, and they are working on the, the unit. Uh, there was a part that was, uh, was the wrong one that came in, so Lord willing, before long it'll be fixed. But, but, uh, but God's just poured out blessing on top of blessing on us. And he has reminded us of his goodness and his grace. And so today, as, as we're a little bit warmer than normal, it's a time of celebration for all the stuff God gave. That he's made us used to things that some people would never dream of having. So he has blessed us. Uh, let's go to the Lord together now in a time of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you, God, for what you do in our lives. And that you do pour out blessing on top of blessing and God, we want our lives to be such that people see you in us, that, that, that you shine through us. You're a fire, as the, the group just sang. So thank you. Now speak to us. Uh, Lord, help us to hear you as we offer this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Uh, this morning, I want us to look at a, a familiar story. It's the story of, of uh, Joseph. Now, you've, you've heard that story. You're, you've heard it many, many times. But just as a quick, quick, quick reminder, again, a, a big nutshell of a long story. There was a, a young man whose brother sold him into slavery. Uh, he was his father's favorite, but, but out of jealousy, they sold him. He went into bondage or, or slavery. Uh, he served with distinction, but then he was, he was thrown into prison. Uh, he spent some time there, but then God raised him up and, and brought him out. Uh, he reconciled with his family, and then at the end of his, his life, after his father passed away, 
his brothers were worried, is this going to be a time of blessing or a time of cursing? When there's nobody standing in the way of this powerful man lashing out against us. I think it's a story that it shows us what God can do with us and what he wants to do with us. You know, the Army's got a, a great slogan that you'll see on their commercials, and, uh, and uh, it's, it's there just about all the time. Be all that you can be. Now, the Army, as they, they talk about it, when you take a, a young recruit in and they've got their, their self-centeredness and their ways of doing things and, and their attitude and, and maybe sometimes their listfulness or laziness, then the Army wants to correct that. And the way they correct those things is, is pretty simple. It's boot camp. One of my friends, and how many of you served in, the, in the mil- any of the branches of military? Several of our, of our gentlemen, and I don't see any ladies here, but, but we've got ladies who've done it. And in all of our branches of service, what they, they do, and, and again, an oversimplification, a person will come in, and what they want to do in boot camp is they want to tear down your dependencies and they, they really want to break you, not destroy you, but break you so that then they can build you back up into a different kind of person. Well, in, in Joseph's life, we really see the same kind of thing happening. You know, Romans chapter three ten tells us that there's none righteous, no, not one. None of us are, but we're seeking after our own ways. Well, in Joseph's life, uh, we really see a, a, a message or an example of what God does to change us from the way we are, humanly speaking, into the men and women he wants us to be. How he breaks us, but in a positive way, but then builds us back up. Because sometimes the, the breaking happens through what others do to us, like in Joseph's life. His brothers sold him into slavery. They wanted him destroyed. But God used that negative impact on his life to raise him up and to make him into something, someone different. So uh, I want to share, we're going to look at several different uh, passages, beginning with, with Genesis 37, verses 33 through 36. Then uh, th- they sent the tunic, the cloak back of, that Joseph wore, and it was, was stained with the animal's blood. And in verse 33... And he, his father, recognized it and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus the father wept for him. The Midianites had sold him... Joseph, in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard. God in our lives, what he wants you and me to do is to depend entirely on him. So one of the things he does is he removes all of our dependencies. In Joseph's story in the beginning, he removes here his dependence on his relationships. And he was the favored son of of a big and wealthy family, and he was daddy's favorite. His brother, Benjamin, came along and, and kind of took that place, but Joseph, I mean, he had a spot. 
in his life, just like you and me in our lives, he could have depended on those relationships and depended on his family and tried to ride in on his daddy's coattails. But his brothers who hated him and were jealous of him sold him. Now in your life, perhaps you depend on relationships and who your grandparents were or your parents were, who your spouse is or even who your children are, or maybe your friends. And we want to depend on on the people around us. And so we end up hanging on. Well, God wants us to cling to Him. So in Joseph's life, the first thing he lost was ability to depend on relationships. His brothers sold him. There are many people in our lives and in our churches who have had family situations that are difficult, and sometimes you can't depend on relationships. Imagine Joseph's pain internally as he rode on the back of a camel to go into slavery. He couldn't count on those brothers. They hated him. But then the second thing God removes, if you you flip over in your Bible, probably a page, Genesis chapter 39, uh, verse 13, he removed Jacob's dependence on his reputation. And in verse 13, so it was when she, that's Potiphar's wife, saw that he'd left his garment in her hand and fled outside, she called the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, See, he's brought into us a Hebrew to mock us, and he came into me to lie with me, and I cried out, With a loud voice, and it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice. He left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she's made a false accusation. And in in verse 19, when his master heard his words, which his wife spoke, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. And showed him mercy. So now he's lost his reputation. Now Joseph in this instance. He didn't do anything wrong. He was taking care of the house. And he was taking care of of everything. And he got falsely accused. So his reputation is gone. Joseph could have. as As he rose up in that environment. And as he gained reputation. And gained favor with Potiphar. He could have depended on his reputation. Hey everybody likes me. Everybody thinks I'm great, so I can, can ride on that. Well, again, that's not what God wants you or me to ride on. Maybe you're a, a person, and, and, and I'm guilty of it sometimes in my life too, that you know, we want our reputation to precede us, like people say that. And somebody says, oh, I've heard wonderful things about you, or everybody likes you. Uh, that's a positive thing, but in Joseph's life, all of that's gone. So what happens then? But he didn't just lose his reputation. He didn't just lose his relationships. He also couldn't count on his resourcefulness. In, uh, in chapter 29, excuse me, 39, uh, verse 20, Joseph's master put him in prison. We just read that, where the king's prisoners were confined, and there he was in prison. You can't resourceful your way out of prison. Now, he's locked up. You know, maybe you're a person who counts on, you're the, you're the MacGyver of the world. 
You can throw you in a situation and you can figure it out. You can figure your way out of it. You can take lemons and make lemonade. You're a resourceful person. Well, Joseph is confined in prison and there's not anything he can do about it. So he's lost his family. He's lost his reputation. He's lost his freedom or resourcefulness. There is not anything at this point in Joseph's life that he personally can do to get out of the situation he's in. He is completely and absolutely at the mercy of others. Again, in the, in the military situation, I, I had a friend who was a, uh, was a, a recruiter at one point, and he kind of laughed about this story, and he said, well, you know, when you get a recruit that is physically and emotionally drained, and they don't, they don't really want to quit, maybe in, in some ways they want to quit, but, you know, they, they signed up, so they can't really just walk away. So when you get them tired and you get them exhausted and you get them drained and you get them recognizing that they're, they're in this for good, then something clicks and something changes. And then we're able to build them up and make them into men and women who sometimes their, their, their childhood friends would not even recognize because of how much stronger and, and, and more forceful they are and what kind of leaders they are. Well, now Joseph now, he's in prison. He's just lost everything that, that he or I or you would normally count on. Everything. He's in prison. And then the, the baker and the butler come and, and they've got dreams that they've had. And Joseph interprets them. And uh, For the butler, it's, it's, it's a great dream. He's going to, out of his hand, he's going to provide the, the food and the drink for the king. And the king's going to bless him in three days. And Joseph says, remember me when you're lifted up back into your place. And then the baker's got a dream that's not anywhere near as good, that uh, his head's going to be required, he's going to hang, and then the, the, the birds are going to devour him, and, and, and it happens. Both of them happen in just a few days, three days. The butler's back in his position, the baker's killed by, by the, the, the pharaoh. So Joseph's in that situation where he's completely at others' mercy and the others that he helped, the butler, for example, when he got back into a position of power, he forgot about Joseph. So again, that relationship, that didn't bring him anything at that moment. But what God wants to do in your life and in my life is the same thing he did in Joseph's life is that he wants to make us into the people he desires us to be. God wants not our human relationships with mother, father, spouse, or children, or friends to be first. He wants our relationship with Him to be first. He wants to be primary. He wants to be number one. In, uh, in Genesis chapter 41, verses 38 and 39, or 37 through 39. So the, the Pharaoh has had dreams and then in, in Joseph interprets them and tells them about the, the uh, plenty that's going to happen for a while, then the famine that's going to happen. And, and Pharaoh's understood, hey, this is a guy anointed by God, and here's what happened to a prisoner. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this man in whom is the Spirit of God? 
Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. God took a broken slave who was in in prison, who couldn't trust or count on anyone to have his back. And God reminded Joseph, your relationship with me is number one, and I'm the one who's got your back. And when I bless through our relationship, it's going to be beyond what anybody else can offer you. Read again what, what Pharaoh said to him. Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Inasmuch God has shown you all this, there's no one as discerning and wise as you. Now Pharaoh, a pagan, understood God revealed to this man what this man knows, and this man's wise because of his relationship with God. My goodness. It's, uh, it's almost it's almost like what y'all just saying. You know, when we've, we've lost everything that we are, and the only thing we have is Jesus Christ, and Jesus says, let the people see what you've got when you've got me. Then's when he's glorified, not us. You see, Joseph, he's just a slave who's in prison. And because of his relationship with God, he's elevated to the number two man in all of Egypt. Oh my goodness. What a relationship that is that God wants to give. But he also doesn't just do that. He restores our reputation in that we understand that our reputation is, is stemmed in who he is. In chapter 45, verse 8, his brothers are coming, and, and, and this is a difficult time for their family, and they're wondering what's going to happen. And uh, Joseph says in chapter 45, verse 8, So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. So God's reputation took priority over Joseph's reputation. This slave boy, now he doesn't say I'm number two to, to Pharaoh. He says what? I'm a father to Pharaoh. Pharaoh apparently was a, a young man, and Joseph basically says, I'm raising him. I'm a father to Pharaoh, the person who rules this nation, and I'm a father to him. God has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. You see, Joseph's reputation was in who God was. And your and my reputation when we leave this building here needs to rest in who it is we serve and not who we are. You see, it's his reputation that's online, not ours. 
It doesn't really matter, honestly, what they think about us. It's great when people love us. It's great when people pat us on the back and and tell us, you know, you're my best friend or you're the most trustworthy man or woman that I know. Those are great things to hear. But it's far more important when people recognize the God you serve is a worthy God. He's worthy. He's worthy. I shared with you a while back, a couple of weeks ago, that I was at a conference for directors of missions, and the speaker, Mark Clifton, from the North American Mission Board, made this comment. He had planted churches for all 20 or more years, planted several of them in all different places. But then one day, God did something in his life and in his heart, and this question changed Mr. Clifton's life, he said, for the next 20 or 30 years. And it was... What glory does a closed church bring to God? He was in urban ministry and in urban cities, particularly where he was at the time. It wasn't that unusual to go by, particularly the small white clapboard church buildings that weren't churches anymore, but they were a a restaurant or a store or shop or, or something else, sometimes somebody's house. And, and Mark was saying, what glory does it bring God? And on the other hand, he said, what glory does it bring God when a church that the community gave up on as dead is raised to new life in Jesus Christ? When they ride by the same building in in New England, for instance, it's happening a lot these days. When people ride by a building and they see new life and they see that 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 group of people, that body, not the building itself, but that body of believers, the real church, they're ministering in the community. The community's changed because of it. And they think back 20 years and think, oh, I thought that place was dead. Now they're a place of life. That brings glory to God. Because it's not about us, it's about Him. Here you've got Joseph who, earlier on, the Potiphar's wife had said, look look what my husband brought here to mock us, this Hebrew boy. And now, years later in his life, that Hebrew man is saying, hey, I'm father to Pharaoh. Not because of how great I am, but because of how great God is. You meant it to destroy me, but God meant it for good which is the next verse we're going to look at is is in chapter 50, uh, verse 20, when God's plan takes priority over over ours. So Joseph, and you know the story, he, through the time of of abundance, they stored up grain and stored up things in the warehouses. Then where his family was, the famine came and they were hungry. His brothers came to buy food and they had the interaction with, with Benjamin. Joseph was trying to get his brothers to recognize him and to see what happened in his brothers' hearts, if his brothers were still just as hateful and and self-centered, or if God had broken them too. And in the ensuing years, after the families all moved to Egypt, then Joseph's dad, Jacob, dies. And his brothers are wondering, okay, is he going to kill us now? Because he is, he's father to Pharaoh. He's the number two man in power. But he basically, on a day-to-day basis, he runs his country. So now that daddy's gone, our relationship with daddy, with Jacob, isn't going to save us anymore. 
And our reputation's not so great because we sold him to slavery. And you can't resource yourself out of being destroyed by the number two man in a monarchy. Now you can't. So his brothers are, are kind of about back where Joseph w- was when, when he was in prison. And his brother says in, 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 this, these, in chapter 50, now that daddy's dead, what's going to happen to us? You're going to destroy us. And in chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph says this, do not be afraid for I am in the place of God. He says, I'm not. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them, and he spoke kindly to them. You see, it's not about Joseph's plan, and it's not about your plan or my plan. It's about God's plan. What's God want to do with your life? You know, in the American dream, we want to have a better job and we want to succeed. And that's a wonderful dream. And and God's blessed us. There's nothing wrong with, with that, trying to make the most of it. But the bigger dream is for us to make the most of God. We want to lift Him up and we want His kingdom to grow and we want Him to be recognized for who He is. And and Joseph says here, Oh, you meant it for evil. You meant to destroy me. But God used it to save a nation and to save peoples all around that part of the world. God meant it for good. So the, the things when you try to destroy because of the relationship I had, Joseph had with, with God, God raised him up. Because of the God he served and the, the infinite reputation of, of God in that land, God raised him up. Because of the resources that God had, thousands and thousands of people were spared. You know, folks, if we're counting on, on who we know and who we're kin to, and we're counting on our reputation, and we're counting on our resourcefulness, we're counting on something that can change from one day to the next when something happens. You know, if we were counting on our resources, remember, and there aren't many here who would remember it, But if you were alive in 1929, there were a lot of people who went from wealthy to poor in a day when the stock market crashed. And so they had plenty of resources one day. The next day, they they were broke. It can change in a day. For Joseph, he went from a young man who was a favored son who had plenty of reputation and, and plenty of family ties and plenty of resources, plenty And out of the spite and hate of his brothers, it changed in a day. But what happened in Joseph's life is that he recognized the one, the only one, that he could depend on through thick and thin, night and day, and all of his life, and that's God. He's never going to back us or, or turn his back on us. Never, 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 never. 
The day's never going to come when you look around and God's not there. The ne- day's never going to come when you say, God, I-, I thought I could count on you. God, I thought you loved me. Oh, he does. He does. And just like he raised up Joseph thousands of years ago, he'll raise up you and me today, not because of what we do, but because of who he is. So if you and I, as followers of Christ, want to be all that we can be, it'll come through surrender just like Joseph's. Been in a dark prison dungeon. He held on to God. And no matter whether your place in life today is a place of great, great blessing, or whether you feel like just like this air conditioner that's cut out and you think all of my blessings are just gone. No, you've, you've got God. You've got God. He's always there. Hold on to Him. Count on Him. And let Him make you who He wants to make you in Jesus Christ. Uh, bow with me together in prayer, please. Uh, Heavenly Father, we're, we're thankful. Uh, God, this is a... This is a uh, a long and a wonderful story of a favored son. But God, it's a story of you and what you can do even in circumstances that look so bad on the surface. And God, in our lives, sometimes we're tempted to count on ourselves and, and we're dependent people. God, help us to depend entirely on you. Completely and absolutely on you. Lord, we surrender to you as we offer this prayer in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our invitation this morning is going to be a time when when you can answer God and and that letting Him have everything you, you are and everything you have, our Him is I'd rather have Jesus. Now, If we've got everything else and not Him, we don't have anything. But if we've got Him, we've got all we need. I want to repeat a story I've told you before. I hope I have. Uh, I think I told it last week. But a couple Christmases ago, Russ Evans was in my office and we were talking about stuff. He was a bivocational pastor that ran a jewelry store. And he was talking about feeling inadequate at, at what he was doing. And I said, well, Russ... And Russ had been a friend of mine for for a lot of years. And I said, well, Russ, you're saying you feel inadequate, but your church is doing well and you're doing well and you seem to be happy. How, even feeling like you've just said you feel, how do you make it? And he said, it's like I'm in a deep, deep ocean and I can't touch bottom. I can't dive to the bottom. I can't sink to the bottom. I'm completely floating. I'm in over my head. And he kept talking for a few minutes. In over my head was his, his point. And he said, and I've recognized that there's one person out there that I can always count on, and that's Jesus. And so I'm clinging to him. And so even though I don't know what I'm doing, this was his story, I'm not, I'm not affirming that he didn't know what he was doing. But he said, even though I don't know what I'm doing, even though I don't have training or education, even though I'm a jeweler and I'm trying to pastor a church that was literally, it was dying now. He said, I recognize if I cling to Jesus, I've got all I need. 
I don't have all I want. And he, he talked about wanting more education and training and, and how diligently he studied personally. And he said, I, I, there are more things I want, but what I need is Jesus. Folks, that's what you and I need. And it's all we need. And again, it doesn't mean I'm not affirming you know, the, the fact that there were some things that Russ didn't have that would have been helpful to him, but in his life, he didn't have an opportunity to do that. There are things in your life that you wish you had, and, and God and His grace can provide things that you don't see how they're going to come. Just like a slave boy in prison, it doesn't look like anything good's coming. And in an instant, he's the number two man in the country. He didn't see that coming. Never could have seen it coming. Well, in your life, we don't know what tomorrow holds. And you've heard this a lot before, but we know who holds tomorrow. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. As we sing, the altar's open. You can come and kneel here on the front rows. You can, you can sit and, and pray. It's a time of surrender, saying to Jesus, you're what I want, you're who I want, and you're all I want. And then crying out to him, Lord Jesus, take me. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you're really like Joseph before he went into slavery. He was a slave to his own self and he didn't know it. But when he was broken and he cried out to God, God really made him a king. God can do things in your life to raise you up and make you who he wants you to be. And until you allow him to do it, you'll never know what he's got in store. I'd rather have Jesus. This is your time to receive him as we sing. Hymn 550. Let's stand together.